got adventure in your spirit Never waste a single minute You've got a heart without a limit Imagination wild and vivid God knows I haven't been perfect I made a mistake or two From this point forward I swear That I'm waiting for you I'm waiting for you. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Live in the Studio. We are here with Trey Burke. What's up, man? Not this a is whole lot. literally our first time meeting you. Um, we heard about you through uh, our intern, Rebecca, mm-hmm. which I don't even know how you know her. So we worked at a <laughs> coffee shop together okay. in Waxhaw. Got you. So it was that. Well, I guess we won't name it just for the sake of it. But how long, how long did you guys work there together? Um, we... I think we overlapped by probably five or six months. Okay. Um, it was a lot of solo shifts, so it was always like passing the torch, oh, okay. mm-hmm. passing the baton, like okay. opener to closer. But it was, we always were like, I was like, oh man, you're a musician. Yeah. Cool. And then the next day, would be like, oh, you're a worship leader. I'm a worship leader. <laughs> and just like consistently connecting, being like, yeah. More. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you, did you like working in a coffee shop? I do. I still work at a coffee shop. Okay. I'm a huge coffee junkie. So like I so that's after this we can do the live in the mm-hmm. studio coffee edition yes. yeah no, got it that's a real thing uh, that would actually be really cool um, so for me like I the only reason that I ever lay off coffee is for my voice because I I think it's just the amount of caffeine I just end up like dried out so like certain times when I go to track I like have issues but um, so I took like a week off of having coffee last week. And I went on, I broke, rest in peace. I broke, I broke on Sunday morning. (laughs) That's what did it. Like 5.30 a.m. rolled around on Sunday and I was like, it's time. And I, I drove, I, I went to the store, I got my first cup and then I was like, yeah, I'm an addict. It was like the first words. Yeah. I'm starting to hit that point where I'm like, oh, I need to wean off because you taste espresso every day. Mm, And I'm getting to a point where it's probably I'm drinking just a straight double shot in the mornings instead of like a cup of coffee. (laughs) Like I'll sip on that. Yeah. Yes. Lots of water. Quite a bit of espresso at home. Yeah. I like the taste of it better. I I never had like I never started drinking like straight espresso until I went to Italy for uh, I had a band in high school (sighs) and we we flew out there and played a bunch of shows. And the whole time it was like I anytime I'd order coffee. It was just espresso. So I, and I didn't put that, I mean, I was 17, so I was learning, but I'll wake you up. That's for sure. Well, that's for sure. Um, so Trey, introduce yourself to us. Uh, tell us about your music Introduce introduce yourself to uh, just people that maybe don't know you. So my name is Trey. I grew up outside of Memphis, Tennessee, um, and then moved to Charlotte around when I was in high school, uh, went back to Memphis for school and then came back out here with the pandemic and, um, have, fallen fallen in love with the city Mm. and so decided to stay out here um i grew up in church playing worship music um but slowly kind of fell in love with songwriting and um as you do like i love writing songs for the church but as you do in your like early to mid 20s you write songs about girls Mm -hmm. because it's one of the one of the things (laughs) on the mind and so um just that's what kind of this project was birthed out of was just it had been a collection of songs about life and um, and and relationships and that kind of thing that were like didn't belong in the church. They weren't necessarily like bad yeah. songs, but it was like processing breakups or processing you know things like that and going, well, I've got all these songs, and yeah. so that was kind of where this project was birthed out of. Awesome, yeah. I I 
Uh, well, so I got married at 18, so it, I never really had a season where it was like heavily writing about <laughs> girls. And if I did, uh, it was usually like either maybe just the difficulties of, of getting of like learning the dynamic of relationship were yeah. a lot of our songs. Um, but even then, like we were, we said this on the last episode too, which was is like when you're married and you're 18 and you're figuring out each other, it's probably best not to write songs about one another and what you're going through. Like it, it doesn't That's help. Fair. It doesn't help. <laughs> it's like, Hey honey, listen to this. And it's like, yeah, I know exactly what that's about, you know. And so, you tried to veil that metaphor, it did not work. We would exaggerate, like I would exaggerate some of them, and like that's what all good songs are. We would have a conversation and say like, "Hey, like, me, like yeah. we had like a little spout about something that was nothing," and I like blow it up to ten, and then just write about it because I thought it was a fun idea. Um, but that's a unique yeah. like figuring that out. Um, that's what every every songwriter is a drama queen. Come on yeah. now. Yeah, I. Uh, but we're in the same boat. We have the we have our worship stuff yep. and then we have a you know band on the yeah, side yeah we pretty much write it. like for me it just kind of i think in what you're saying too is like songwriting eventually it kind of just becomes it's hard to filter out what you write about like, at yeah. certain times i mean it, you can filter it but not writing about specific things is like a weird mindset of like oh i'm never gonna write about like i didn't i've never really i guess maybe i've thought that but not see and i, I feel that one of my favorite moments i was writing with another artist and we said, oh man, this would be a great song idea. And we started going and going, and we realized that the song was kind of like splitting. So we took the two splits, turned them into two separate songs, finished them, and then realized that neither one of them were the initial song we were trying to write. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it's, yeah. you just, you go and figure out where the song is going. Yeah, for me, it's pretty much like if it's, if it happened in my life and it's an experience I went through, I'm going to write about it. It's probably just more about whether or not I'll share it with people. Right. And so there are some that I don't share there's quite a few that I, 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 an opportunity or a moment I would say comes up that it's like, feels right to go ahead and play some specific song that maybe I didn't think I'd play. And yeah. Yeah. We share it. So, um, you said you fell in love with the city. What do you mean by that? Initially, when we first moved out here, did not really like Charlotte, if I'm okay. being honest, as a city. I came from Memphis, and Memphis is interesting because it's not a clean and pretty city. It's got a lot of grit, but it is, I think, I think that's what gives it a lot of character. And I think especially as like a songwriter, you meet a lot of really interesting, unique people that you, that come in and out of Memphis. Yeah. And so moving here, I was like, okay, there will, you know, what is there to do? We have NASCAR. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I just didn't see a lot of what Charlotte was. And I didn't meet a lot of people who I like, who I really connected with. And so I was like, so then moving back, I started to kind of connect with the city and the people here and start to see Charlotte for what it was. And so I like, I don't know, I've always enjoyed uh, the home is, is a concept that I really like mm -hmm. playing with and like and, uh, that I think about a lot. And so like uh, that, that place that feels like and you, you call home is important to me. Yeah. So it was a place that like didn't at first feel like home and now it does. How old, how old were you when you moved from Memphis to here? I guess either the, so which I was time? probably 14 when we moved out here initially 14 15 okay no yeah and then um i went at 18 or 18 19 went out to college okay and then at 22 23 came back okay here mm -hmm. awesome so we were talking earlier about like your college experience you said you yeah. went for songwriting yes now what's what, what's kind of like entailed in a songwriting degree because i'm curious i've thought about like if i go so i i did my associates yeah and I was like, eventually I'll add something onto it. But I've like always wondered, like, what am I going to pick? Is it am I going to go into production? Because I, I that's been my whole life learning that. I, I, at a certain point, you kind of feel like 
I don't really need to go learn that. <laughs> I've spent my life learning. So I've, I've thought about songwriting. I've also thought about different things in film, but what's a songwriting degree like? So a lot of the big things that I learned, it felt like learning, you know, building blocks or tool, pe- tool tools, depending on how you kind of want to build that metaphor. But the idea of like learning how to go identify rhyme scheme quickly learn cording learning chord progressions and learning like how they're what how they're associated and how to just go i want to create something that feels kind of like this or has this kind of tension and being able to just generally go probably something in this ballpark okay i want it to feel have some suspense but feel like major so maybe i'm doing a four five one over three kind of thing mm-hmm. and then and or learning rhyme scheme and how to create good rhythms that like and pull that kind of information quickly okay um and so like a lot of the first year was we did we would every day come in for class and we would do um a like it was called fcs form content sound and we would get one listen to come up with the verse course form lyrical content melodic content instrumental content and like general sound notes so any production techniques any anything like that okay and so learning how to quickly critically listen to a song and go, Ooh, what's a piece the other day earlier today, I was just listening to a song and thinking, Oh, I really like how it's just the base of the piano and some high electric guitar, like being able to pick those little things out quickly Hmm. so that when you're writing, you can build them as you want to create feelings and create moments and find where a song is going. Okay, cool. So, so what would you say is like, uh, for, I'll ask you two questions, but I'm gonna start with this. Like for a beginner songwriter, Mm -hmm. is there like a, great piece of advice that you think is like really applicable after having gone through a whole degree for like somebody mm-hmm. in their like you know 16 to 18 range like just trying to start at home kind of thing get as specific as possible okay so when you're writing i'm lyrics tend to be where i gravitate toward what something is saying and so when you're writing learning how to say instead of being like i feel like this or you know talking about it trying to go we would do this we do this exercise and the one i remember most distinctly was in the movie theater and my professor was talking about how you would do he could talk about the um the way that your your the stickiness that your feet feels from the buttery popcorn on the floor mm-hmm. getting as specific as possible when you mm-hmm. when you start down especially you get a metaphor going yeah. like even if it's just in your head or just to get it down on the page and it's not what's finally there just start to like get as specific as possible and describe those feelings and the taste and the smell and the sight and that like, kind of thing is that kind of like building up content basically to yeah use? yeah okay so i i just think it's interesting so then like what how do you feel about when you read like a like a nirvana set of lyrics like smells like teen spirits like the most non-specific like i don't know what that song's about <laughs> you know what i mean it's like such an obscure like kind of I, I'm literally like I don't know how many people actually know all the words to that song. They're really just kind of they they appear random. Hello, my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, um, how does that kind of like come off to you talking about being super specific and then like going through songwriting? Do you view those as like how 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 do you view that kind of a song where it's just totally abstract? It might be abstract to us, but it's because we don't understand it too. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can write something that doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Yeah. Even even um the the Beatles um oh my gosh what's the name of that song um I am the walrus. Okay. That's that it's a whole song of gibberish. Okay. I am the walrus gugugajub like it's the most ridiculous sounding song but the point was that everyone thinks that everything he wrote had this deep intense meaning and he goes I don't have to always write that. So he wrote a whole song to prove the point that not everything he writes has intense okay. ridiculous meaning. 
So you think somewhere buried in that is is some? He probably per- had some experience, and there were some lines, and it might just be some of the lines that really carry a weight. Okay. To the band that we just don't, don't get yet. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder because obviously, like with Kurt Cobain, you can't like you're not going to know that. But um, <laughs> right. you know, I think there's something to be said for like obviously that song is great. It's just like it's so weird what makes it great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you you kind of there's a, there's almost like a. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know a person who wouldn't recognize the riff. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and there's so many things about it that they all come together and form a song. So it's interesting. Sometimes I think lyrics being hyper-specific um, is great. And then other times I think the more vague they are, maybe sometimes they can, like more people can relate to them. Right. You know? So it's so weird. And it goes to show that like not every like r- rule is there. It's a, it's not a hard and fast rule. Right, yeah. You can it, break you, you You break all the rules that, and that's, I think, another thing learning is like learning to try everything. Yeah. Try try a line that just sounds like it. I used the word philanthropic in a song the other day because it was just like that was the word that we kept yeah. trying to find the synonym for. And I was like, what if we just tried to use that word and it worked? Nice. nice. You just never know when something's going to work. So you just try things and go, that didn't work, but maybe that idea leads you to, and it's the cascade of ideas. Yeah. Four bad ideas might be the what gets you to a good idea. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting because like I, I started off songwriting and I, I, I literally was just involved with other songwriters for years and years and years. And then, um, like one day as it, as like a 17, 16 year old, I just started trying mm-hmm. and it just sort of clicked. And I think the way I have described it always pretty much has been kind of like learning language. Like I just spent so long next to people doing it that when I tried it, it worked. Yeah. Um, so it's funny for me to hear like, somebody that's learned it like in a sort of I'm sure you learned it not traditionally first, right? right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, but then like eventually like a very traditional way of, or not traditional, but you know what I mean? Like a, like a right. official, official way of learning it. <laughs> Academic. Just, yeah. For me, it's like, I don't know that I've ever put that much thought into it mm-hmm. other than I have like moments where I know I'm going to be able to write and I wait for those moments to come and then I sit down and I write them and I, I think I'm like, as far as finished ones, I think I'm like... I don't know. I'm sure like doing what you've done, I, I guarantee you've written more than I have, but I probably maybe I'm like a hundred and something songs deep now that I've, that I've written. And every single one of those, it's just like, I, I don't see them coming. They just kind of happen. Yeah. So it's weird. Like, and that's where I think learning those skills, like it's a learning yeah. it as a craft means that I just collect ideas. Yeah. Like, I, I heard one time that you, you want to have a treasure chest of ideas and you just collect and collect and collect. And then when you sit down to intentionally, write. You can go, well, I got this whole, yeah. What's the room feeling like? Where are we? Oh, we're going this way. Well, I have this idea, this thought that I yeah. had written down from six weeks ago that was something that really struck me, but I didn't quite know what to do with it. Mm. And we started heading down that. Yeah, I think my biggest fear in all that is collabs, like writing with other people and then and then be having a specific set of guidelines to write by. That's where like I can do it in a vacuum on my own. I'm, I'm pretty good or with people that I really trust. But I, I definitely like uh, we have a friend that works for, uh, do you know Songfinch? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Chelsea works for Songfinch. She was a guest on the show a few weeks ago, and like they give her like a here's your list of things that you that you have to write about, and these are the things you have to include, and this is the stuff that they'd love yeah. to include. And I'm like, dude, I freak. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be able to do that. <laughs> what's a puzzle? At yeah. that point, it's a puzzle. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a game of going. What's the best way to get all these pieces mm. into place here? So you say you really gravitate towards like lyrical content over anything else. Is there any artist that comes to mind that you really, really like their lyrical content? I have always been a John Foreman junkie. Mm. Some Switchfoot, some yeah, some solo them. John Foreman stuff has just always 
had a special place in my heart. Um, his melody choices are obscure as I'll get out too. They are hard. Like you think you can cover their song until you try it. You know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it, the, what's great is that it, it works, whether it's the full band, the full production or just him and an acoustic guitar. And like, it still can carry the same weight and the same punch. And mm-hmm. it like, that is what always, cause sometimes you get, hear songs and you try to play them on acoustic and you're like, this sounds terrible <laughs> yeah. by itself, yeah. but the melodies and chords carry themselves with all. Yeah. Everything I, he touches. I, I don't know. I wonder if, like I'm sure Dare You to Move was built around that acoustic yeah. part, right? Like it, right. Had, it had to be. So I think sometimes building them around that too. I've uh the I've seen them live one time. Okay. Have you seen them at all? I have. Okay. The the bass for uh I think it's This Is Your Life. Mm-hmm. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. That like little part is so cool live. Uh I went <laughs> to a have you ever seen them? No. Because you've been quite a, like a, quite a few winter no, jams and we, things like that. Yeah. They don't play a lot of winter jams. They don't. They don't go to winter. I've jam never been. Often. I just know she's seen a ton of them. No, the concert we couldn't go to because of COVID, in in March of 2020, they were Colony House was supposed to open for them. Oh, uh, Colony House too. I you forgot that we got double robbed. Yeah, so we got robbed that that time. We and that was we right. That they one. had a band member leave right after that. I think. Somebody left their left. I think it was uh, Switchfoot. Yeah, I think it might have been the bass player. Now that I say it, no, uh, I think one of the one of them had cancer. Is Jerome that... the keys player had cancer? I believe. Oh, okay. He's I, still in the band. I don't. I wonder if it was a guitar player. I felt like they had somebody depart, but I, I can't no remember. Idea. I'd have to recently. Look up. They have. I, I'd have. I'd have to look up into it. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I was. I was gypped of my Switchfoot experience of covid well, so. maybe one day yeah, one day we'll work it out <laughs> um so so uh for people that don't know what instruments do you play guitar is probably my primary that is that's where i really fell in love but over the course i grew up in ba- playing in band so i was a trombone baritone tuba sax very sax okay player throughout my time and then uh picked up keys and bass and okay anything so, but drums anything but drums <laughs> do you want to play drums as much as I would love to, I don't have the limb independence. Like mm-hmm. I can't get all of. I can play like one instrument. Like I could play like a snare drum. Yeah. But like playing a kit, Separating I don't have anyone the, from, Yeah, yeah like, I got you. I don't have the coordination. It's weird because it's. Uh, I I wonder. One of the things that's funny about guitar is is that it's almost kind of the opposite to drums, which is, is that in drums you work on independence of limbs, mm-hmm. and in guitar you work on syncing up one hand yeah. to the other. So it's very like. Never thought about it that way, but yeah. It's kind of counterintuitive. So I, I tend to think that, that might be part of the thing is like if you spend your entire time guitar and you're like trying like trying just trying to pick like uh you know like faster sections, you spend all this time like linking downstroke to the first you know what I mean? And then right. you try to like go yeah, to drums I, and they're think, all linked. <laughs> I think any drummers I know who also play guitar play drums first. Mm. And then yep. got it. not the other way around. I think it's probably really. I'm so rhythmically challenged. I could never. It's I, a skill you can probably learn. I just don't have. Yeah. I don't think I've, I don't have the time to at the moment. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other piece about it. It's time and money for drums for sure because yes. it is expensive to get into that yeah. hobby. Yeah. I I would love to, frankly. I, I've played drums for a couple worship sets because I had to, and it was one of those where they gave me enough notice that I think I had like three weeks to work on it, and. A lot of the songs were six eight, which was super helpful. And then, like the hardest one I ever had to play was um, "Lion and the Lamb." Have you heard that? Yep. That song, there's like an offbeat snare hit in there that was like super tricky. That I remember, like we spent weeks, like on a it. long, long time learning I, to play that. I feel like I can like fake it. Like I can, that, keep yeah. That like probably a be what I would call what I did. Boom, boom. Like I can keep basic mm-hmm. groove, but yeah. So guitars being the favorite, how did you get into playing guitar? Like how old were you? All that. 
I started in the seventh grade, picked it up one summer, um, all all to the cliche, thinking that might be the way I could impress girls. Because when you're a band in theater kid in a public middle school, you're, you're the first <laughs> one that shared that with me. You're not I, popular. I, did the I have same no thing. shame. I'm I did a theater the kid. I have no sense of shame. Well, my first my first time learning to play guitar was also girl related. So and you learn. You think I could learn some like Taylor Swift covers and like I could <laughs> One Direction covers and yeah. like some girl is going to appreciate this and. Not one did, and that's. <laughs> but I fell in love with the ability with with it, and like you know, started learning. And I had one of those three quarter scale first act acoustics, okay. um, and then slowly over time grew and was playing. I got a, a Fender acoustic after that that plugged that plugged in, wild, and then moved on. And now I'm I play electric a lot of electric guitar too, yeah. and which is its own wheelhouse of. Yeah, yeah, Fun it is. Toys. My my first time getting into electric was literally I had a worship leader say uh, I I was playing acoustic for them at the time. I think I had played like three or four times, and he literally was like, "All right, I need an electric player in like three weeks, so I'm sending you home. Here's my pedal board. Here's my amp. Yeah, come back with the parts. These are the songs you're playing. You're like, what are these buttons? And it was we, it was literally like like early two thousands like hits. It was How He Loves, All Because Ooh. of Jesus, and The Stand. I think were like one of the first three yes. songs I had to learn. Um, that's what, it right there. What were uh, what were some of the first riffs you learned? Whether it be like rock or whatever. Oh, man, I don't know. I I grew up playing a lot of like I I gravitate and I still do toward rhythm guitar. Okay. Like that's because it's easier to sing and play rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some of those first riffs were like were like worship riffs. One of the ones that I remember having to like sit down and pound out was uh, really work on was go from the live in Miami okay. record okay. the United like that was one that I was like I'm gonna figure this <laughs> out and there wasn't a lot of tab on it so yeah. I couldn't figure it I like they were it, harder to find early on yeah, yeah so but that was probably that was one that I think was the most memorable like first couple of I learned riffs uh, to learn my first two that I learned were not worship tunes they were seven nation army uh, which is go. almost a baseline more of a baseline and then um uh, I learned a song called Time and Confusion by Amberlynn and yep. I learned Cassie by Flyleaf for like my first three. Ooh, yes. And then when I, and then that, that was like, I had like an $80 Dean was like my first mm-hmm. uh, electric um, yep. that somebody basically probably discounted heavily just to get it in my hands kind of thing, which is like the Squire bullet strat. So yeah, I feel you yeah. on that. I was like 12 years old, went to go pick it out. And um, then as far as worship goes, I think probably those three I said, I think it was probably like How He Loves All Because of Jesus. Oh, you guys had cooler first songs. What, <laughs> were, what was your first song? Oh, it was Did Only Exception by Paramore. It was the same acoustic song every girl learns when they, and I remember thinking D minor was so hard. It, it is so hard. <laughs> I was like CG. I got. And then she plays a D minor. I play my D. She plays inverse. D major by sliding her first finger from D minor up. Yeah, I it's, learned. It's I learned str- like it, it looks. It, it's an interesting. I know every one. guitar teacher I run into is like. I was like, <laughs> "What chord are you playing?" I'm She's like, like, "It's D major." It's too hard to fix it at this point in my life, so it's not. No, happening. it's great. I think it was that, and I think if, it's helpful for playing D minor. Yeah. If I die young, by the band Perry, okay. I think it was the second one I learned, or something like. There that. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, was there another one? Oh gosh, not off the top of my head. I mean, no. after that, it was a slippery Paramore, slope down where I know it's cliche, but that's a great place to start. It yeah. was a great place. I wish I had started with a different one of their songs because <laughs> now 
The only exception is probably the song I listened to the least off of that album, but that was the it's that was the great, only one I could manage at that. Point. It's a great song. It's just, it just song. got overplayed everywhere, yeah. so it's hard to like. Yeah. It's hard to say that you have, you know, at a certain point you've heard a song so many yeah, times. Yeah. Like, mm, I don't know, but um, so uh, we we saw that you guys played a show and like started back recently mm-hmm. with now the band is Trey Burke and the Travelers. That's yes. the whole band, right? So it's kind of more of a collection i've always i've never liked the idea of being like the solo guy and it was it took uh, a roommate of mine in college being like hey (laughs) like it's okay these are your songs we're just playing your songs with you yeah and i was like all right fine but i'm not doing it not going by my own name it's not happening (laughs) um and so that was where the idea of the travelers like being on the road is something i've always loved and enjoyed and getting so like that it works that it's alliteration and um it was just like i want to that's what i want to do now you guys so you guys played a show back Mm -hmm. in it looked like july right yep um what was like is that starting a new thing you guys working on a new album what's what was the sort of the kickoff for like coming back and playing a show so i had played a show there playing guitar behind another artist and just had connected with the, it was in a coffee shop um, that they wanted, that they've been doing as a venue as well. And so I had connected with the owner and they were like, Oh my gosh, you have a project. You should come out and play. So we coordinated, they were doing this kind of a summer series. And so we came out, came out um, and it was the first time I've played with people here. A lot of my, my bandmates had been in Memphis prior. Gotcha. And so this was the first time I'd ever played a set with people here. And it's always been kind of a rotating cast of friends um but this was the first time with this crew and it was so much fun to get i had been working on some new stuff and had some i've got an ep in the works that we're starting into the pre-production on i've got to wrap up a couple other projects but um starting into the pre-production on that and so it was good to get those songs to play them live and to go do they work do they right they feel great in my bedroom do they feel (laughs) do they feel as good in front of other people yeah do other people enjoy it Yeah, yeah got you so, so it's interesting you bring up pre-production. I think a lot of artists don't understand the concept of pre-production, so I think that's an interesting question. What's your pre-production process look like? Well, mine is less, more specific than your average artist and less specific than your average producer. Okay, yeah. Um, being, again, you go to school and you learn that pre-production is a thing. Oh, it's huge. And a lot, I think a lot of people don't, yeah. don't understand that. Um, I have, and I think part of it is, being in church, like I, I have always loved to, you know, when the chord chart is specific and yeah. it, you, everything is marked out clearly and neatly. And so for me, it's like making sure that the chord charts are put together and arranged yeah. so that I can pass them off to a, a band or, you know, whoever with, with all of the, the tempo and the key and the, and all of that. And be able to pass that off to someone to go, yeah, this is what this song is like. Yeah. And, you know, sending, good demos and that kind of thing it's not super duper specific now as we get in i've learned to do the the whiteboard i do it virtually but the idea of the whiteboard and going do we have the electric finals track do we have the bass the drums the all of you know the vocals all of that Hmm. now when you say you have the whiteboard so like for so for me uh, my pre-production process uh here is like we'll go through and we'll scratch the song uh like acoustic and a vocal Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm overkill with vocals. I kind of have a hard time not editing through a vocal. I got my start just straight up editing vocals all the time. 
And so well, you're gonna have to teach me all the tricks. That's... <laughs> well, so what ends up happening is, is like I won't really leave a scratch untouched. I tend to just edit through them because I just <laughs> I hate listening to it otherwise, especially if it's my voice. We'll play a demo. People are like it's I, a demo. I really, like, I, I really won't leave it. I won't leave it alone. And then I I like to. I don't know. The more you get into it, the more you realize like however much knowledge you can get yourself before it's time to track the final song, yeah. like the better it will be. So like we pretty much work out all the guitar parts. Um, I will write a drum part like uh, MIDI and then hand it off to our drummer and he will go through and do like what he does naturally and then kind of incorporate a little bit of what I've been doing with like programming. And then we literally circle back around, like meld those kind of two parts together, figure out like what really did I feel like fit the song as far as groove goes? Yeah. What's like an actual way to play that? You know, the, you're right. working out those kinds of kinks in the songwriting, do the whole thing, get it pretty much demoed out as like a full arrangement and then go back through and do all of it again. <laughs> and, and that's my pre-production to production process. But it, I, sometimes I feel like it's really good. And then other times I feel like I would love to do things quicker, but I know that I want them to be like as right. best as they possibly can be. And that's, where I have like I used to I, I definitely was that way like there was a process yeah and one time through a series of like weird events we were tracking and tracking an EP worship EP in Memphis and I had driven in and the producer wound up getting a mild concussion in in the oh, car wow. accident like the day before we were supposed to do all supposed to do all the scratch and we had two we thought we had two days to do scratch a day with the drummer and then two days to like flesh it all out mm -hmm. yeah. And so we lost one of those whole days. And so yeah. it was the it was a Sunday afternoon we had left. So we just did, I mean, like two pass yeah. vocal acoustic with a, you know, with a with a dynamic mic and like acoustic plugged in. Like it was real quick passes. Yeah. And then we go in with a drummer. And by him not having any of our reference, because I had done that uh, that same thing, yep. built out a whole track and an arrangement and had this idea and was like, this is the bones of it. Mm-hmm. By not giving the drummer any of that and just having him hear acoustic, one of the songs took a totally left-hand turn for the yeah. better. And all of a sudden, something that I was hearing is like uh, a rock, like very like Hillsong Live in Miami kind of feel. Yeah. All of a sudden was a keys-driven yeah. like thing because of the, the way the drummer had played. It had pivoted every everything. Yeah. So like I agree. I generally would agree with you. But after that experience, I was like, I don't know. I just want to get people. Sometimes I, I want to give them less information yeah. and go, what, what would you do with this? Hear what yeah. happens. Yeah. We, we've done a little bit of a blend. Cause like our, our drummer very much will have that conversation back and mm -hmm. forth. And sometimes he's like, Hey, send me a version with nothing on it. Yeah. And I'm going to mess with that before I mess with anything else. And so that, that our, our end goal kind of started to be a blend because we found like, at least for that group of people, that's right. what worked, you know? Um, and then other times we've had it like, um, We've had it be where we've been in a room with like the whole band and just seeing what works. And then like probably, you know, 10 practices deep trying the same song together. You have something that's a lot more polished. Yeah. Right. Um, and we've done it that way, too. But um, I used to be in a band that was like super, I would say um, uh, they a, a lot of a couple of them ended up going into folk after we had we had like it was just a blend. We had mm -hmm. like really crazy good rock drummer. Uh, with two lead singers, we had a dulcimer hammer dulcimer, player. a piano player. Oh, those are so much fun. Um, acoustic, electric, and bass, and it was just such a strange blend of instruments. And there yeah. was no way to not work that out in a room together. Like that was the only way to get. That yeah, certain times. Yeah, 
Well, and you want to give people enough room to be creative, but with you, like you play almost everything on our records anyway. Not not everybody. Well, else's, I make whatever I need to work work. Right. <laughs> so I would right. put it Except with the exception of drums. Like I don't play. I, I, I play say. live, but I don't. I don't record a whole lot because I'm not super clean with that. But like he pretty much does everything on it. So it's you working it out with you most of the time. <laughs> or or like other key writers, I would yeah. say is usually what ends up happening. Yeah. Usually, there's a key writer you're working with from a production standpoint. Like, right. if it's a if it's a group, you'll work with kind of all of them. But at the end of the day, there's usually somebody in a group that's like, like the, for the example, it would force. be you. Yeah, where you and I would end up talking through a lot of things, and mm-hmm. then it's like you know basically that key person will manage like whoever the overarching group is from their side of things, and I'll kind of help with the yeah. The, outside point of view whatever you want to call it producers ear kind of thing um so you guys started back in july yep. first show here what are kind of the the plans right now are you looking forward or or have anything like you said an ep in the works um, ep in the works um of some kind of some new tunes one of them i'm gonna play today okay awesome um but then i'd like to do some there's a couple of like conversations i'm having about doing some christmas okay. shows um we for a project that I thought was dinky at first, but it wound up turning out really great. We wrote a Christmas song, okay, um, in school, and so it's actually it that's is out on Spotify that you can go. Yeah, check what's it out. called? Um, uh, won't be merry. And won't be merry. It's a whole song. It's a kind of a college kids like Christmas anthem. And okay. the whole song is trying the the whole pit like hook gets down to I'm trying to beat Santa back home. <laughs> like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm racing through trying to get back from school, wrapping up. school you know obligations trying to get back especially like as musicians and in church like christmas season super important a lot of times people will stay through christmas eve and then get home yeah either that night or like you know very Mm -hmm. quick so it was this whole idea of so there's a lot of like car noises at one point the (laughs) hi-hat is the blinker sound like oh seriously like so we're you you know utilizing some of the car noises it's super great awesome Um, that's really cool yeah that reminds me of um What's that pop song that has that it's a crosswalk sound? Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish. Eilish. Yeah, he did. Uh, Phineas did like an interview mm-hmm. on how they put that together. So interesting. It's like it was like in Australia, and he was yeah, like, "Let country. me just uh, voice memo that real quick. That. Sample it. Yeah, that's it. I love like hearing other people approach ideas like really whimsically like mm-hmm. that. You know, because it's like we talk about like certain times you have like a, a structure you're trying to stick to, and then other times you're like, let's just break the rule. <laughs> yeah, I don't think if he would have said it, too many people other than maybe people from Australia would have picked up on that that was a crosswalk, crosswalk sound noise. my favorite is the thing in, the inter, inter, in an interview his dad he said that his dad at one point was like oh that sound is super interesting he's like yeah it's the it's the hi-hat it's, <laughs> it's the it's the it's the yeah. sound mm. um so you guys are putting out the ep uh planning to play christmas shows mm-hmm. um and when you play is that is that always with the full band or is that sometimes you, like the kind of the whole thing is, is like it's Trey Burke and the Travelers. So sometimes it's you, sometimes you got the group with you. I, I like to do the full band, yeah. at least one other. Um, the first EP that we put out, we had played a bunch of like coffee shops with acoustic and like some clean electric yeah. kind of ambient sounds. And so that whole, that whole project was I had written these songs, been kind of sitting on them. They just been in the vault. They were good songs. I liked them. They just, I never had anywhere to put them. And he was like, well, let's just, these were some of your earlier works. Let's call this one of the songs was having to be called Younger Days. And so hmm. coincidence, like we did a Younger Days EP that was just some of the early works and it's acoustic, clean electric. I think there's one part with a piano and a little bit of slide in yeah, it. Yeah, like, I looked it up. <laughs> so, but yeah, just very simple because that was what we were playing. And so I've always enjoyed, like I said, I've always enjoyed playing with other people. I've never just liked yeah. going in me in an acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. Mm. 
Um, and so, yeah. So I, awesome. awesome. That's, that's what I'm doing today, but it's not my preference. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so one of the questions we always ask uh, everybody, and we'll kind of start to wrap up, I think, with this. Or, or uh, do we have one? We have a couple more questions, but. Yep. Um, one of the questions we ask, we call it our branded question. We ask okay. everybody that comes in here, um, is what does music mean to you? I think music to me is a way to connect and process overarching, uh, whether no matter what genre, no matter what style you're trying to connect and process something, whether it be the world around you, it be a relationship, it be, I mean, it's why Taylor Swift is so popular is mm-hmm. every almost everyone in their life will go through a heartbreak of some sort. Yeah. And so to connect and process that, um, songwriters have to be able to put to words these things that people are feeling. And so mm-hmm. I think that that connection and that unity that pe- that a song can create, that it doesn't matter, you know, if, you're, if you, when you go to a show and there's a band that you love and you're standing at the, you know, standing in the, like in the pit with people and, they all love that band too. You're kind of friends by nature. Like you are connected because of this band's music. And so I think that's such a beautiful thing. And then getting to process the, you know, process the world and say something. Do you have a show you've been to that has like kind of, that kind of hallmarks that experience for you? I absolutely have one for me. (laughs) There's, there's a few, I think, I think Switchfoot was a big one. There are still people that I follow on Instagram from that show that I've interacted with in the pit that one time in that one interaction. Um, and between, I'd say between that and um, Drew Holcomb hosts okay. a festival in Chattanooga. Okay. And that uh, Moon River Fest. And I had been, I think, three years in a row. And that just kind of became a like very pivotal. You, you're meeting people and you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're all experiencing a band for the first time. And again, even that is a connection point that you're like, yeah. I've never heard of this band, but I bought day passes and I spent good money. So I'm going to go hear as many bands as I can. And you go hear a band and you're like, dude, have you ever heard of these guys? They're so good. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. There's something about somebody with, um, I think, uh, you know, I think conviction in whatever they're doing in their mm-hmm. music that I think is people see and if if the convictions are similar or or the maybe the what somebody's going through is similar uh it's hard to not be um like you said you're kind of like instantly like like there's some sort of bond or friendship within that like sort of recognition of like okay like they get they would get it if i told them that if i told them what i've been through they'd probably get it because it sounds like they've been through something (laughs) similar right um i really much uh i really have always kind of loved the fact that music is a is a place for people to um like recognize that they you know that other people have gone through stuff that's that's tough too and um kind of relate to it and and Mm -hmm. use it almost as an outlet i think for writers it's an outlet but i even for even as a listener i think i mean i don't know as a listener was it an outlet for you still because it was for me yeah like still is and yeah to hear that someone else made it to the other side like you you hear a verse that someone is clearly going through a similar thing you went through and to hear at the by the end of the song that they're still here they wrote they not only went through this thing but then they processed it and put it in yeah put it out for the world to hear yeah that there's something on the other side i think that's where like the, that processing side of it is like super important yeah yeah i i think that um for me, I, I grew up, um, so I grew up in the church mm-hmm. and, but I always like really, uh, was more drawn towards secular, mu- secular music, um, as a listener. And I, I said this, uh, last episode too, but I, I, for me, I like boiled down to, I felt like for like at certain points, like there's, there's topics that, that the church doesn't really like touch on Yeah, that I think it makes it, I, I wish 
that some not necessarily that they did all the time, but I wish that you would sort of I don't know maybe speak to it more than I would like like the I don't really necessarily think that there needs to be songs written about it within the church. I just wish that people looked at the church and sometimes they didn't just always see like the happiest of the happy moments and yeah. like you know recognize that like a lot of those people are going through stuff and they're choosing to like praise anyway. And I think mm-hmm. that that is that's like always been the coolest thing to me is, is when you kind of get an insight to like, okay, like people make these decisions and they, they are leading worship and they're doing this, but it doesn't mean that they haven't gone through anything. And I think the yeah. more we let people see like, Hey, I've gone through all this, but this is still what I choose to do at the end of it. I think is like my favorite, my favorite part. So um, there's somebody that really like encapsulates that for me, which is a guy named Maddie Mullins. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of him? I love him, and he has been in Memphis Mayfire, which is like a metalcore band for yep. like ever. And then he's putting out worship tunes at the same time. Like he has a song called "Show You the Cross," and I just I think that that is like one of the coolest things ever. There's this idea that like so I'm a theology nut too. That's okay. like I love sitting and deep diving and reading. I'm a big nerd. Yeah. One of the things that I've done a good bit of reading on is the idea of a sacred secular divide. We talk about how. There are things that there is the church and there is worship music and that is sacred. And then there's things that are not the church and not worship music. And those are secular and we try to divide them. And I think a way better way to look at it is, is, is breaking that down and going like, no, it's, it can all be sacred. And that processing, there's a beauty to that processing. I think there are some things that are, you know, obviously some that are dishonoring of the Lord, but, but to go, there are people like, Maddie, who are writing in Memphis Mayfire, that maybe they're not writing about Jesus. I heard an artist the other day use JPM, Jesus, Jesus is per minute in a song. Okay. Those, that, that number goes down. It doesn't make it any less true or the, the need for songs like that any less. Yeah. I love prevalent. the topic, right? So like, yeah. this is always a huge thing for me. And I, I'm going to go ahead and disclaimer and say, like, I, I don't pretend to know everything in this. This is mostly just a thought process that I've had as a songwriter for a long, long time. So take the judgment filter off for five (laughs) seconds. Um, For me, I look at it and I go, okay, like I, I do, I, uh, not to, I'm, I'm going to, it might sound like a disagreement, but it's really just like, I'm just going to think on it in front of, in like, Real time, go. Right. Yeah. Real time processing. So I do I think it. there are some things that are sacred within the church. So like I don't Absolutely. I don't think the church should be writing should have songs within the congregation about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's like there's a there's a specific purpose for that time. But I also think that um I don't know the divide for me probably is what goes on within the church versus what goes on without the church. Like I think yeah. that there's specific songs that are meant for within the congregation that should probably stay right. Like, you know, around the topic of God and praise and worship. And I think that yeah. that is sacred, if you will, to some, like, you know, I, I do think there's maybe certain areas where you'll see that, like be a little more like there are more sort of like uh heavy, heavy or, or, difficult like there's a song called like even when it hurts that came out by right. Hillsong but that, that's like a more just about to say that's that. a heavy topic right yeah. and there's been some they use the word I think they use like even when it hurts like hell, hell. is the lyric mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of controversy around that like that doesn't really bug me um if it bugs you I, I think that's probably I was like, I'm a sloppy wet kiss that. guy that's it's a discernment <laughs> that's a discernment thing I suppose and and yeah. if, it, if it is a thing for you then I, I don't think it is a I, I'm fine like that's I think you can kind of feel how you want to about certain things like that. Right. Um, what I do think about music that I, I do think probably needs to stay like outside of the church specifically is, is that all of those songs, at least with, done with the right heart and the right intention can be like submitted to God. 
Yeah. Not necessarily that they're sacred. Cause like I have a lot of songs. I'm like, I'm not, they're not sacred. God could throw them out and I'd be, be like, that's probably a good call. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think if, if like as a songwriter, you're turning those things over, I do think God can use them. Absolutely. And that's kind of always how I felt about it. Like every time I write a song, whether it's been super depressing or, or whatever, either I feel like um, it's something that the Lord could use in a specific moment if he wanted to, or I pretty much don't feel led to share them with anyone. And it's right. like, I, I end up there. So kind of a, uh, sort of not gray area. Cause I, f- it's a, it's a discerning area yeah. of like, what's the right thing and to there do. Are, yes. There are congregational worship songs, Yeah, but I think trying to like, we, we as songwriters go, this goes in the worship camp and this goes in the not yeah, worship yeah. camp and going like, there's a song, um, by Gable Price and Friends called I Need You. And it opens with, I broke my wrist punching through a wall in the parsonage. Mm-hmm. The idea that like ministry is hard and it, it wraps up with have some guts, kid. This is ministry. Like hmm. that idea that I haven't been honest in a long time and like processing ministry that it it's not congregational. I wouldn't sing that song on a Sunday morning. Yeah. But making sure that that's not excluded from that like church like you're saying like there's yeah there's switchfoot songs that i think people need to hear that hope is an anthem yeah there's these song there's these ideas that need to be more talked about that yes i wouldn't do them on sunday mornings yeah but breaking down that divide that this is church this is not church yeah because the lord can be just as glorified in all of it we talked about like seeing people in their full context yeah right like i that's what i love about that is is like when you watch a maddie mullins like leave for memphis and you know that like <laughs> Behind that is probably a lot of prayer. Behind that mm-hmm. is probably a lot of intention. It's probably a hope that there's ministry that he probably sees it that way. That probably very few people around him see it as ministry, but it, yeah. you could tell like it, it absolutely is. And it has to do with like, what have you, what's your heart's intention behind that? And, and is it, has it been submitted? So I think that's, yeah, I don't know. You're the first person we've had come in that I think is like riding in both lanes pretty heavily as well yeah. so that i've just interesting talk but well um, and i think sometimes it has more to do with people's like preconceived notions on what they think a song is mm-hmm. over what it actually like i remember being in middle school and this is the south people like to listen to country and i'd listen to a country song and it's about inappropriate things about a girl and that's okay but skill it because it's heavy rock even <laughs> though they're almost a christian band is like don't listen to that and i'm like that doesn't make yeah any he's a sense. super conservative guy like so i think people sometimes they like they listen to it for 30 seconds and they're like this is good this is I bad just, and i'm like from the outside when my when when i when I was not, uh, I would say like a stronger believer, I found, and I don't know what to do with this. So this is, again, this is not me saying I understand all of it, but like, I found it really, I I almost didn't believe it. Like I would go to church and I watch people sing and I was like, that's probably fake. That's just how I, that's just how I viewed it. I wanted to, I wanted to see somebody like feel something that was other than, other than, and I know that that's probably not always right. I, I don't even know, like, but I just know looking at it from a secular perspective, like I was like, I don't even know if I believe that that's authentic in them. And so it always really helped me when I would hear somebody who was a worship leader or somebody who was, who I knew to be a believer say like, Hey, like sometimes life is not that great. And you know, there's an honest story about something that happened or whatever, and then still see them choose. And it made me question like, okay, so if they're going through a hard time and they still like go to the Lord at the end of that, like what's the difference? And like it, it challenged me. Yeah. And I thought that that I'm 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 super thankful for that. And that's back our job as songwriters is to be vulnerable and to 
to go to go plumb that plumb that depth and go I'm going to go take my story down mm. down that way and pull back up what what I've learned or the hope that I've found in that and and learning to write a song out of that place and go yeah. I haven't lost hope there's yeah. there's all of this honesty and this vulnerability and this challenge in that is life but at the end of the day it's not that's not the end of the story yeah. this is a piece of the story but by writing that song you might get someone to go to can you might connect with someone that goes I experienced that too like like you said when someone was honest with you and vulnerable with you you said I experienced that and it made you trust more and, and put yeah and uh, increase your faith yeah yeah I think that's yeah I think um it's a it's a very at the end of the day it's a very much a discerned thing like on mm-hmm. on how to do that it's a tough thing because the songwriters yeah. every song that not every song but a lot of songs you write you feel really strongly about and you don't know what to kind of like certain songs i'm like i don't know if i'm ever gonna let people hear that that might not be a good use of uh of i don't want to influence anybody badly <laughs> other times yeah. you know it's, oh yeah things like that so it, it all takes i think in songwriting for me it's all like submitting it to the lord as, as like what's the proper thing to do at each at each moment but yeah. um i'm gonna wrap us up uh perfect last question and we'll this will be the closing point which is tell us about the song you're doing today and uh yeah this so i'm gonna do a trailer and the traveler song i'm not gonna go with the, some of the worship stuff, but this is a song that is, it's a song about a girl. Um, okay. But it was kind of a decision that like in that process of realizing it's like, well, I'm not dating and I'm not dating and I'm tw- 23, 24, 25. I'm still not in a relationship. Um, realizing that like the Lord would have someone good mm. and that like, having kind of a level of faith in that. I'm not, it's not promised by any means, but to go, I'm waiting for you was the, so the name of the song is waiting for you. And Mm. the, the hook of it, um, is God knows I haven't been perfect. I've made a mistake or two, but from this point forward, I swear I'm waiting for you. Oh, that's cool. Um, I like that has my favorite line. I think I've ever written in it. Um, um, in the bridge, which is, I haven't always made the best impression. So I sure hope love is blind. <laughs> um, That's really good. That's good too. I'm a bit of a mess. So I really, I'm hoping she meets me and the Lord. Just <laughs> put some blinders on there. Cause if not, it's, and it's not going to work, but yeah. So just writing, I had somebody challenged me. And again, this is where you learn bits. Like there, you learn to build structures and pieces. Somebody was like, you've been writing songs in this key at this tempo a lot lately. So I said, okay. And I tried to write a song in a different key at a different tempo yeah. and got a new, I had just gotten the partial capo and it was revolutionary <laughs> in my world. The one I always grab on accident. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to write with all these pieces. And now and this is what came out of it. So nice. Awesome. nice. awesome. Well, Trey, thank you so much for, for being on. We're excited to hear the song. It Absolutely. sounds awesome. Um, but uh, where can people look you up on Instagram and like kind of give your shout outs for yeah. where to find you? Um, so I am on Instagram as uh, Trey Burke and the Travelers, all spelled out. That's the band. And then J-A-B-I-I-I Music, okay. which is like my personal like okay. awesome. um, as a person, which is my legal name initials. Mm. Um, and so... And then uh, we're on Spotify and Apple Music and anywhere you stream. Awesome. Um, would under Trey Burke and the Travelers. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, we're gonna close it here uh, again. Trey, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, we're looking forward to hearing the song. It's called "Waiting for You." Waiting for you. Waiting for you. So, without further ado, here is "Waiting for You" by Trey Burke and the Travelers.
a sparkle in your eye I can't escape no matter how hard I try You've got a warmth in your smile Could I just stay here for a while? God knows I haven't been perfect I made a mistake or two From this point forward I swear That I'm waiting for you I'm waiting for you You've got adventure in your spirit Never waste a single minute You've got a heart without a limit Imagination wild and vivid God knows I haven't been perfect I made a mistake or two From this point forward I swear That I'm waiting for you Yeah, I'm waiting for you And I may not have your attention I haven't always made the best impression So I sure hope that love is blind Just so you don't even have to question You're the only one on my mind I hope that you're not scared by this expression Cause I've got all this time Cause I'm waiting for you I'm waiting for you I'm waiting for you Oh yeah, yeah I'm waiting for you Ooh. I'm waiting for you